After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. Baseball America Facebook Live and podcast. Carlos Colazzo, J.J. Cooper here. We're going to talk draft today. We're diving in. The June draft is, is going to be here sooner 41 than... Days. 41 days away. <laughs> Sooner than we would uh, want, but at the same time, the great thing about it is it's, it's going to get here and uh, we can start sleeping in about 45 days a little yeah, bit. Yeah, maybe we'll get a break after that, but right now we're kind of in the middle of it. Reports coming in all the time, getting new information. Very much. Lists. It's a fun time. So, you know, with that, uh, again, ask your questions away. You may still be able to stump us, but we do have about 1,500 names almost in the database now, which is insane. So uh, <laughs> ask away. We'll try to answer them. We're still doing a lot of reporting because there is still 41 days to go. But before we do that, we do want to thank you for uh, tuning in and do want to remind you that this Baseball America Facebook Live is sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and children. You can go to baseballism.com, check out and get some of this great gear, Carlos is, is really legit. He didn't even knew, know he was doing the Facebook no. Live today. He was just sporting his baseball yeah, regularly hoodie. Rock the baseballism hoodies. They're he fantastic. Was, he was wearing that just because it was Tuesday and it was rainy. Yeah. Uh, and it just happens to be that didn't have to do anything just for to be sure. ready for this. But ready to go. Go to baseballism.com. You can get a hoodie like that or a shirt like this or a hat like that or, or many, many other items. And if you go right now and you enter the offer code BASHIP, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, you can get it for 20% off. So... Carlos, we're getting a little, there is still a lot of uncertainty, understandably, about the draft. Teams are just getting into the signability. They're mm-hmm. just figuring out kind of who their targets, first round especially, are. But we do right now have a clear number one. Yes, we do. A very clear number one. Right now, I think it's obvious. Every single person that I've asked about this at this point, I believe every person that you've asked and everyone else on the staff, Cog Laser, Teddy Cahill, and anyone else who's been doing draft reporting for us, Auburn Keegan right-hander, Lowe. yeah, Keegan Lowe, he was just doing some draft calls as well. Uh, Casey Mize, the right-hander from Auburn, he is the consensus 1-1 guy at this point from everyone we've talked to. He's kind of the one guy who was near the top before who made a jump and has, has and it's a, it's a huge I mean, jump. Well, his season, his sophomore season, beyond the injury, yes. was pretty insane as it was. And he's taken it another step from yeah, last, And he stayed healthy. Last year, we mentioned this all the time, he led uh, Division One pitchers in strikeout-to-walk rate. This year, he's got a 15.6 strikeout-to-walk rate, which is pretty impressive. That's 94 strikeouts and six walks, I believe, in 68 innings. And that's with frontline <laughs> stuff. That's not... Yeah, this is not a pitchability guy who's coming at you with, like, low 90s, maybe a couple fringy breaking balls. No. I talked to uh, several scouts about the stuff this guy has, and... 
everything he has, it's a bag of 60s. That's what some people have said about about Casey Mize. His, his splitter is maybe the best breaking pitch in the class, a plus-plus offering for some scouts. He's got a fastball that's in the mid-90s. That's a plus pitch as well. Uh, he's got a slider, a newly, newly I, I guess he has a new grip on that pitch this spring. Um, he's got another variation of the splitter. He's got another changeup that he kind of throws in there for strikes, a curveball. Uh, he's got it all going, and the performance has been impressive every time out. He's got a 2.25 ERA right now, 8-1 record. I believe the only... Uh, and that's Friday night in the SEC. Yes. He's facing top competition week in, week out. He's done it all at this point. Really, the only question with him is, is the health, and we've said this, and we're going to keep saying it. At this point, he's going to be the favorite to go number one, unless... No ill wishes to him, but unless he gets injured and something happens, and then the Tigers obviously have to think about doing something else. But right now, he's the favorite to go number one. Right. It's, At it's this point, I mean, when we say there's separation, the, the thing I would say is this. If he's healthy and his stuff does not take a significant step back in the mm-hmm. final month of the season, I don't see anyone else catching him. Like, if, if, he, if there's not a hiccup for him, mm-hmm. I do feel like that there's enough separation now that he's the clear top guy in this draft, no matter... Almost what else anyone does. Agreed, yeah, because we, t- we talk about uh, the top guy, and then you move into number two and number three when you're talking to different scouts, scouting directors, evaluators. There's really even no consensus for the number two spot. There's kind of a second tier that includes a group of guys like Matthew Libertor, Nick Madrigal, Brady Singer, Shane McClanahan, Alec Bohm, even Joey Bart recently, who's trending in the right direction. Those guys, I think that's a good core of your next tier uh, that are kind of after Casey Mize, a significant drop-off. Um, just with what he's done this year. Uh, so it's really tough to kind of line those guys up. There's no consensus at this point. And I believe the teams behind the Tigers, they're really just trying to get a feel of who's going to be there, which guys they prefer, because a lot of this is just going to be team preference, the looks you have on guys, who you've seen, who your big evaluators have been in there to see well, um, and just the track record you have with them. But that I think that tier is the next one. Uh, we can go further along into it if you want, but I know we have some questions about... We do have a lot of questions already, mentioned. so thank you for the questions. Keep them coming. We'll keep diving into them. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, Sonny Sahada, which also answers Ron Lieb's question. Uh, where will Nick Madrigal land? Top 10? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Madrigal, I think he's pretty safe to, to say top 10, and that's maybe a little bit surprising I, for a second baseman who's missed half the season. I think if he had not come back before the draft, he'd have been top 10. I think so too. I mean, he just had such a good track record. He's such a safe pick in the eyes of pretty much everyone you talk to. Um, he's got a great a hit tool, maybe record. the best hit tool in, in the class. He's got great hands, going to be a plus defender, plus plus runner. Uh, he does really everything well that you want. And he's got the makeup and, and work ethic to go along with that. But he came back from his injury last weekend. I think he had a hit in every game, multi-hit games uh, in two of the three games Oregon State played this weekend. But yeah, there's no concerns that Madrigal is falling. If anything, he's kind of risen up the board. I know me and you talked about this. He's risen up the board because some other guys maybe haven't taken some steps forward. And just the player that Madrigal is just fits at the top of the board at this point. Top five, I would say, at this point. We we were talking in the office, and one point we made is this. So look at Keston Hira in last year's draft, who went top ten, went nine, if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. to the Brewers. And Keston Hira did not play second base his entire junior season no. because of an elbow injury that... Yeah, he wasn't even throwing much. Was not throwing. An elbow injury that still bothers him to this day. He's not had surgery. He's rehabbed it, but he's been DHing in uh, high A this year with Carolina Mudcats because the elbows bothered him again. Madrigal is not probably going to be a shortstop long-term, although you can find yes. scouts who say you'd send him out that way and see if he could do it. I would try it, personally. <laughs> right. I like him there. But, but he's playing... There's no doubt about him at second base. Yeah. 
The Everyone I've talked to says plus defender at second base. So the hit that's tool something that Hira did not have. Is probably in the same range as Hira. Mm -hmm. So and he's got probably a longer track record at this point. He's done it, you know, USA baseball, done it a lot of different ways. So yeah, he's he's one of these safer bets yep. to go top ten that you can kind of yeah, see in this class. I think we have some of our rankings at the top kind of solidified in our next update that's gonna be coming, coming very soon. Friday, we believe. I don't know if we want to spoil that for you guys. Friday here, we believe. <laughs> But yeah, he, he's going to be very high up there. Uh, Philip Case asks, who are some of the college bets that could go in the second round? So Second round, let's see. I guess who do you want well, to start off with? I, so this is where you get interesting because I, I think we could kind of go in this direction with this. I, a couple years ago, rewind the clock coming out of his freshman year, and there was you know all the talk of, of kind of I know where you're going uh, <laughs> tank for beer and, and things yeah. like that at the top. <laughs> and when you talk about the best freshmen in that class who are now juniors, you could talk about Seth Beard and Luke and Baker, and, and I think that those are college bats who kind of right now probably fit more as, as second-round picks. Is that Yeah, is I that think fair? that's fair. I think another one that you might even be able to limp uh, or lump in with that group at this point is even Griffin Conine. He might be slipping. He mm -hmm. has not hit well this spring. He's got a really great cape this summer that maybe will keep him in the first round or supplemental first, but he's a guy that I think is sliding into that range. Uh, Seth Beria, you mentioned him. He hit extremely well his freshman year, obviously, but it's been trending down since then. He's still hitting solidly. He's hitting 284, 38, 563 with Clemson, which is good. But if good you're year. talking about a 70-grade hitter, you don't want to be hitting 280 in the ACC. I think that's a concern with Scouts. Also, just the positional fit. We've talked about this before. He's not a great athlete. He doesn't have a defensive home. It feels like it's an AL team that's going to need to take a chance on him if you really believe in the bat. Um, he's got great power. And then another knock on him, I hate to keep knocking on Seth Beer, but the Woodbat track record just isn't there. Uh, and then when you look at Luke and Baker. And, and let's also say, yeah. when you, it's not just him. Like, go back a couple of years. A.J. Reed was our college player of the year a few mm -hmm. years ago. And I'm sorry, I keep scratching my nose. My nose is itchy today. <laughs> the Colin, pollen. Colin's pollen. washing away. But, uh, but A.J. Reed had as good a season as you can pretty much have in the SEC, was also a uh, weekend rotation starter at the same time, but was limited to first base, and he was a second-round you know, pick. And look at the season that Brent Rooker had yeah. last year, which I do not know how you could have a much better season yeah, than Brent can. Rooker had. And Beer and Lukenbaker, they're not having this. And Lukenbaker has had, you know, he's out for the rest of the year with, Another significant injury, yes, and his, unfortunately his, for him, it's been injury after injury. Yeah, which is unfortunate. He's He was playing well when he was healthy. It's just he hasn't been healthy consistently. Teams are going to knock him for that. Again, it's a position question with him. He's a right-handed hitter with a lot of power, power that stacks up with a lot of people in this class. Uh, but, again, it's that positional fit. You're just buying the bat. You really have to have confidence in it. And historically, like you're mentioning, those guys have fallen in the second round. Supplemental but, first round. But at the same time, you get supplemental first, second, you get guys who can hit like that, and, and some of them end up being uh, very nice picks mm -hmm, as, sure. at the same time. Uh, keep rolling along. We have a question from Benjamin Chase asking, how high could Jordan Adams end up going after a big NHSI? This one's good. Uh, Jordan Adams was extremely fun to watch. If you, hadn't, if you haven't read about Jordan Adams, we actually have a story up on Baseball America. You can just Google search that or go to the site and find that pretty quickly. He was one of the best prospects at the NHSI. I know you were there, JJ. You got a few looks at him, but... There were a lot of very highly regarded prospects, and if you said he was the best hitter there, I don't think many people would argue with you. Uh, he's a 70 or 80 grade runner. He's obviously a very talented wide receiver. He's committed to North Carolina for football and baseball, uh, but some teams definitely are going to think twice about letting him reach uh, campus in Chapel Hill. 
I think you're talking about a top several round guy. I've talked to a few scouting directors who believe that. I think top 150 uh, is pretty safe. Some people are going to be more aggressive just based on that look, but he really showed uh, impressive bat-to-ball skills. But I, one of the things you talked about in your story about him is, is that I there is a little hesitancy to mm-hmm. say too high because yeah, there was another guy, that. Greg Jones, yes, who was this is a, good comp, I think. A, a similar speedy, kind of a little bit out of, not out mm-hmm. of nowhere. And by the way, Jordan Adams was not out of nowhere. Yeah, like Jordan he, Adams was at the Under Armour All-America game last year. He also was at East Coast. <laughs> so I mean, so this is not, not... out of nowhere. He's played at these events. I think it's more of a question that teams don't have this lengthy track record that they have with the Bryce Tarangs of the world. Absolutely. They have more questions about the hit tool. But but I do want to make it clear, this is not like a guy who'd never been at a showcase, had never had anyone exactly, had had yeah. a chance to have yeah. eyes on him, and they got to NHSI and went, whoa, who's oh, this, who's this guy? guy? Yeah. That's they were definitely aware of him going into the tournament, for sure. But the point being is Greg Jones last year was kind of a, a guy who had a similar profile. Mm-hmm. He's a shortstop, not a center fielder. A little less track record, but an excellent athlete. Showed some signs that he could really hit as well, mm-hmm. but at the same time didn't go, you know, it. the thing with, the thing with Jordan Adams is, is Jordan Adams could go really high mm-hmm. or he could not get drafted depending on kind of your belief in the signability because... Exactly. And Jordan Adams, I think, he has two two things that make it more difficult for him to be drafted high when comparing him to Greg Jones. Number one, you already mentioned it, he was a shortstop. Uh, teams thought he had the tools at least to, to be able to stick there moving forward. Jordan Adams is obviously going to be an outfielder, so you if you if you think you have less value there at the position, that's one knock there. The other is the football commitment. He is a legitimate football player. I mean, he could go to UNC and start right away and impact the Tar Heel football program. Uh, his dad's a coach there. He's a defensive and, line coach. And that doesn't rule out getting a chance to be a top draft pick as a baseball yeah, player in three sure. years either. It just makes it more challenging for teams to figure out the signability. How much do you want to risk on a top guy if you don't know you're going to actually sign him? And also... MLB has made it tougher to sign those kind of guys than it was under the old systems. The mm-hmm. CBA has gotten rid of the two-sport provision that allows you to spread a bonus over multiple years. It used to be you could sign a player. This is what happened with uh, Anthony Alford, where you could sign a player, and Ricky Williams and many others before him. Uh, but you could sign a player, and if he was a legitimate two-sport guy, you could spread his bonus payments over a multitude of years. And so what would happen is is so Anthony Alford was playing college football. He would go play college football. He'd come back, report, and he would get a portion of his bonus when he mm-hmm. came back. And then he knew that next year when he reported back, he would get a portion of his bonus again. And so he did that. Football didn't work out. And the Blue Jays said, hey, great, you're now a full-time baseball player. He got the final cut of his bonus check. And they, that was a way that they kind of were able to have him in their organization, but really delay his decision. Alfred kind of was able to delay his football versus baseball decision. Mm-hmm. Under the current system, you can't split that checkup over five years like you used to. So if you pay a player significant money in to, and say, but still say you can play football as well you know, at college, well, you, there is no way to essentially prevent a player from reporting, getting his bonus check, mm-hmm. And then deciding, you know what, I'm going to focus on football, and you still paid him that money. So you you either basically have to pay a player now to give up on football, yep. or you have to pay him a very, very modest amount to do both. But that we're going to pay you a lot of money to do both is much harder to do under the current format. Long-winded explanation, but this cool. one's important. We got another question from, uh, if you want to jump into it. Yeah, Adam Ryan Herbert asks, any chance Jared Kellenick will be available for the Braves at 8? Uh, chance, but, <laughs> yes. I'd say. Yeah, I think there's definitely a chance. 
Uh, the Braves have had people in the team lately. It's tough with Kelnick because uh, he's playing in Wisconsin. He's playing for a travel team. Uh, it's hard in general for these And by the way, just get... is getting out on the on a field that's not covered. Exactly. It's very. He's one of the more difficult guys to scout. I talked to a couple of scouting directors recently who specifically brought that up when I mentioned Kelnick's name. Uh, it's just tough to get guys in there when he's playing. He also is dealing with an illness, a relatively minor illness lately, that kind of prevented him from being seen great. I think he's kind of in that... That we mentioned the second tier. I think he's kind of in that third tier down, maybe. Uh, but you will see possibilities of him exactly, being second yeah. tier as well. I mean, when you talk about, I guess, uh, in addition to teams not really having a great understanding of two through eight, you talk about how you can manipulate your your your, your signing bonus, your money. Right. You can manipulate that, maybe drive someone up the board who you like, just as much as another guy who's maybe higher on our board. Uh, but wants more money. But but put it this way: Let's say that if you're a team that's picking five, just picking at a random, or you know, if you say, Ritz. you know, that we like, you know, you like Kellenic, five, yeah. six, seven, somewhere in that range, and you really like Kellenic, and you think that he is as good as some of the guys in that two through, as we see it, kind of the two through eight range. Mm-hmm. Well, if you do that, then let's say that you can get Jared Kellenic at, you know, mill two million under slot. He's still getting really good money. Exactly. And at the same time, you then are saving money to, to push to later. Jared Kellnick, again, you want to talk about track record. His track record, he's been around for a long time. Guys have seen him for multiple years. He was a uh, guy on USA Baseball. He was the national MVP team. when he was a year younger than most of the people right. on the and team. And he was, he was younger than everyone else. Exactly. So, so you have all that working for him. Potential Work- five-tool guy. Chances right. stick in center field. I mean, a lot of profile. fives and sixes. Maybe exactly. not a lot of sevens on that scouting card, but a lot of fives and sixes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he is a Wisconsin high school hitter. That's a that tough was a track record of that. <laughs> he, if he is a uh, uh, a key impact bat in in major leagues, he'll be the first one. I think we look back and yeah, Dwayne Kuyper is probably the last. Yeah, one. Yeah, it's not good. And Dwayne so, Kuyper retired at long. And that's long the time. risk that you're going if you're going to take a guy like that who you don't get to see a lot during the spring. The spring is important as much as. You yes. have all this track record. Obviously, the spring is important. Talk about Casey Mize. It's been pretty important for him. Um, Simon Kim asks, hey, Carlos, will Matthew Libertor be a first-round pick? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think pretty safe to say Libertor is going to go in the first round. He should go pretty high in the first round, barring something uh, crazy, which a couple of these right-handers in the class have dealt with, if you want to touch on that a little bit. Right. I mean, I'll say, I think Ethan Hankins is falling. Understandably falling. Yeah. He's had a shoulder problem this spring. He hasn't pitched as much because of that. Yeah, and when he's thrown, he's had velocity that's come near to what he's done in the summer, but he hasn't been the same pitcher. It's not as crisp. It's not as sharp. Uh, I've heard fairly good reports, but nothing that's like what he was at East Coast Pro, where he was, okay, this is going to be the 1-1 one, one guy as a high school right-hander, and that's never happened before. I, I, I'll say this. If I was sitting there in the middle of the first round and all of a sudden, and again, I'm not saying he's going to fall that far, mm-hmm. but if he can hang, Ethan Hankins fell that far, I would be doing backflips because... Exactly. That's the thing, because a lot of these teams, before the season started, they thought Ethan Hankins, no shot. If you're in the teens, in the 20s, late, even late, like 5 to 10, there's no shot you're going to get Ethan Hankins. A lot of teams are going to have to decide if they want to go in on a guy who's shown electric stuff, maybe the best fastball in the class when he's right, uh, but, but a high he hasn't been right this, yeah. with shoulder with shoulder issues. So you have to really feel. He's, confident and again, we make clear that. he's back on the mound, but yeah, at the same throwing. time, he did miss time with the shoulder problem. Exactly. Two other high school righties who are dealing with with injuries. Uh, Mason Denneberg, a Florida right-hander who was very loud very early on, uh, has been dealing with biceps tendonitis, I believe. He hasn't pitched in a, in a little bit, so that's going to slide him. Uh, and then another one we actually heard about this just yesterday, Mike Vassell, 
Uh, Massachusetts right-hander, yeah. he just left the start. Not sure exactly what it is at this point, uh, but it's concerning when a guy comes out in the second inning. Uh, he was a guy who was up there the middle of the first round, maybe even top of the first round. Some teams in the top 10 were going to get looks at him. Um, and that just adds more uncertainty to a class that has a lot of high school right-handers, which those that demographic is uncertain to begin with. Uh, and then you have this kind of middle tier of players who really teams are just trying to figure out that kind of muddles the water, muddies the water a little bit. Again, if you're looking at this, you pull back a little bit. I also see the argument. I mean, each player is his own individual player. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this draft is so deep exactly. in high school arms that are going to be available in the late first, supplemental first, second mm -hmm. round. And the track record of those guys over the last decade is pretty good. Is every bit as good, if not better, than mm -hmm. the guys who go at the top of the first round. So I also see kind of the argument for saying, you know what? We're, as a team, saying we're going to pass on those top high school arms, especially mm -hmm. high school right-handers, because we may be able to get a guy in the second round mm -hmm. who's every bit as good. You're paying for what you're going to do is you're going to get a guy who has a little less present stuff. Exactly. But some of those guys, Noah Syndergaard had a little less present stuff, and <laughs> his present stuff now is example. insane. Um, so you could do something like that, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, again, there's a lot of other guys you could go with, a lot of other routes you could go in the first round. Uh, good question here that I, I wanted to send to you, Carlos. John Urkel asks, can Madrigal or Baum leap Mize into 1-1 for Detroit if the price is right, and Tigers can add depth with money for other picks? I mean, I guess there's always, I don't want to rule out the possibility, but I don't know why, if Casey Mize is healthy, that you would do that. We talked about how he's established himself. The track record of college third baseman is really, really good. Uh, that would tempt me maybe a little bit with Alec Bohm. But we've talked about this even before Nick Madrigal's injury. It's going to be hard for a team at 1-1 with $8 million slot money right there at that pick to go in on a guy who you don't know how much impact he's going to have. As much as I like Madrigal and as much as he's highly regarded, that's a lot of money for a 5-7 second baseman. I think it's tough. I would say a couple reasons that I would say not to do that. For one, this is not. This is unlike every draft we've had in this system. There is a clear 1-1 one, one in this. Yeah, the there hasn't years. been 2012 to present every year. Even the year we look back and say Chris Bryant was clearly 1-1 one, one that year. There were a couple guys with him. But Chris Bryant, Mark Appel, John Gray, everyone saw those as the top three mm -hmm. in that draft. So Bryant got the most money, but they were all bunched there together. Last year there were five guys, and you could kind of take your pick of which of the five guys. Mm -hmm. Every year under this draft system, going back to 2012, has been legitimately where a team picking at one could say, we like this guy, and we like this guy, and we like this guy. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to see who's got the best, who can meet our number. Mm -hmm. And once we do that, we'll take it. Mickey Moniak, 1-1. You could go Mickey Mo 1-1 with the Phillies did, but there were a lot of other guys who were considered right there at the same level on that mm -hmm. board. Again, every year we've seen this. This year, as we stand here, 40, so 41 days from the draft, Casey Mize is clearly the best guy in this draft yeah. class, almost by acclamation. This is not Steven Strasburg or Bryce Harper, yeah. <laughs> where it was by so far that it was laughable to think of a, you know, a guy taking someone else you know, at 1-1. But we are talking about almost across the board, everyone we talk to says Casey Mize has separated himself. Yep. If that's the case, you can take Casey Mize, who's going to have more negotiating leverage than pretty much anyone's had under this system, but you still, you take Casey Mize, the record 
for a bonus under this system is just north of $7 million, Hunter Green last year. You can give Casey Mize the draft record bonus, and the Tigers are still going to have plenty of money to spend on the rest of their draft. And by the way, when you say they could save some money, do remember there's other teams out there who have more money than them. So yeah, the Royals... At, uh, let's see, let's go to number uh, where's the Royals? 18. They've got, I think, 18 with the Royals. They have $12,700,000 to spend. But not only the that, Rays the Royals. Have 12 million. The Royals pick, scroll it down there, Carlos, because the Royals oh, pick 18. The Royals pick again at 33. And the Royals pick at 34. 34. So the Tigers do not pick again until after the Royals have had multiple shots at mm-hmm. picking. So if they say, hey, we're going to move this guy down. Do what the Astros talk about the Astros a few years ago. They did that where they had three picks in the top 40, mm-hmm. and so they took uh, uh, Kyle Tucker, they took Alex Bregman, and then they said, you know what, we moved Daz Cameron down. They got Daz Cameron got the same money yep. as Kyle Tucker, but he got his four million at pick 40, I believe it was, or 39, right around there. There is no guarantee if the Tigers tried to do that that the guy they want would make it to them because exactly. there may be teams in between who meet that number. Yeah. And the other thing you got to remember. Just happens. Sometimes teams in between call the bluff. Yep. There's you can say you can throw out, hey, we're gonna we want we want five. You can't pay five. We want five. Okay, we'll take you. Okay, how about three and a half? Mm-hmm. You want to turn down three and a half and go to school? We shake your hand. Go to you know do that. And, and guys end up signing. And there are a couple teams in the middle of the first round. The Royals and Rays both have the most money to spend. They both have multiple comp picks after the first round. Uh, the Rays are at 16, 31, and 32, and the Royals, like we just said, are 18, 33, and 34. So their draft is going to be interesting just on that level, what they decide to do. You talk about the depth of the pitching in this class. They could do a number of different things, try to slide guys down to 32, 33, 34 in that range. I would say there's depth of pitching in this class. If I'm the Royals, that's not been a... Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> I, would say, I would say hitters are probably yes, a better approach for, sure. for, for them. But, but either way, they've got a lot of flexibility. They can get creative if they want to. It's going to be fun to see what they do, even if they're not picking until 16. And, and the point being 18, right? Uh, 16 for the Rays. 16 Rays for the 18 yeah. for the Royals. But the, the point being is, is that I, if I'm the Tigers, and again, I'm not drafting for the Tigers. It's not my money. Uh, I'm not getting fired if they go in a different direction or go in that direction. But so I, it's easy for me to say. But I will say where we sit right now, a little over a month to the draft, it does not make sense to me to be cute when you have no Casey Mize. If there's an obvious number one, and we we have it this year, so you take it. Check check it off and. The thing about it is, if Casey Mize, who admittedly has some injury history, but if Casey Mize is the guy that everyone thinks Casey Mize could be, it does not matter what you do after that. Mm-hmm. You want to get multiple more players, but if you get a guy who ends up being a front of the rotation or Your even mid rotation guy, <laughs> it's a huge win. If Casey Mize ends up being Aaron Nola, and we hope he'll be better than that, you know, but if he is, and you do that at 1 1, and you keep rolling along after that and get a couple of our guys, you, again, you don't need to be cute with it. There's no, no reason to. So, um, but uh, a couple other questions here. Uh, Ron Lieb asked, so what is Russell Wilson doing, speaking of bonuses, since he's playing with the Yankees? That's just uh, basically show up, enjoy, have fun. There's no bonus involved in that. But Russell Wilson did have a football, baseball. That was, again, he signed with the Rockies, went off, played baseball, went back for football, and again, that was a case of the old system being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parker also did that for the Rockies and ended up being you know, football, a baseball player long term. 
It's a little harder to do that under the current system. So that's a, a kind of another one along those lines. Benjamin Chase asks, Michael Mercado was one of Carlos's favorites last year. Is, a, is there a guy like that who has shown more than his initial scouting reports this year and could be a better pro as he develops? Putting you on the spot. Oh, let's do it. Well, initial scouting reports, I guess that depends on, I guess, where you, where you time stamp this. But Grayson Rodriguez is a guy who's jumped up. This might not exactly answer your question because I think Grayson Rodriguez is going to go higher than where Mercado went last year to the Rays. Uh, the, the pure stuff is much better than where Mercado was. But he's a Texas righty who, and I feel like we see this a lot. I'm going to try and dive into this a little bit more. But there's always a Texas righty who pops up, it seems like. Uh, and in this class especially, there's a lot of options. But Grayson Rodriguez has blown up. He was a guy that we saw last year, uh, last summer at the Area Code Games, kind of in the low 90s. Uh, big frame, big guy. He really cleaned up his body over this offseason, and he has absolutely wild scouts this spring. He's been up to 97, 98, sitting in the mid-90s throughout his starts uh, with relative ease. Uh, it's been a very easy delivery. He's got a potential four-pitch mix that scouts believe in. Teams in the 15 to 30 range are really in on him right now in Texas. I think he's a guy who uh, has definitely jumped up. I don't. It's not exactly the same situation as Mercado, uh, but definitely a guy that you want to keep your eyes on as we get closer to the draft. Eric Simmons asks, will Brady Singer be a first-round pick? Interesting question on that because, yeah. you know, again, we explain our rankings. You know, we're not saying here's ours versus someone else, mm -hmm. but, but we have been pretty consistent, pretty high on Brady Singer. Yeah. He was the number one guy early on, and every time that we put out a, a, a new updated ranking, Brady Singer was kind of the number one guy by default. I think we went out of our way to say he was not the consensus number one guy, and at this point, when we update our rankings, he won't be number one. He will still be very high. I still think he's going to be a first-rounder. Teams seem to be a little bit split on him. Uh, I think he's going to go high. I think he's going to go high. I mean, look, you can. he is another one of those guys. Bryce Terang. Famous forever. Gets nitpicked. Bryce he's Terang. having a career year at Florida right now. <laughs> Bryce Terang is the kind of the high school version of this this year. But the guy who everyone's seen forever, because Brady Singer, <laughs> Brady Singer, rewind the clock. And Brady Singer was more of a moment of truth guy for Florida over A.J. Puck when mm -hmm. A.J. Puck was the guy who came into that year as potentially the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. Brady Singer last year was every bit as much of a moment of truth guy for Florida as Alex Fado, mm -hmm. who went in the first round. Brady Singer has as lengthy a track record and resume mm -hmm. of success against upper-level competition as anyone. So I'll ask you, Carlos, what is it about him? Because, again, if you just went, it's not obviously purely on stats, but you went purely on stats, you went purely on track record, the ace of Florida staff pretty much is year after year first-round Exactly. The ace of Florida staff who win is basically a weekend starter for three years <laughs> is a first-round pick generally. Yeah. So what are the concerns? Why is he a divisive prospect? I think the biggest thing that gets brought up is just his arm slot. He has a lower arm slot than you'd want to see from a prototypical front of the line starter. And again, I'm not comparing them, as does There's a number of guys who probably pull out. <laughs> exactly. So there are Lefty versus right, but as does you know, a number of guys who, yes. I think, again, it's just a matter of people trying to nitpick him. I think early on his stuff was down, but the stuff has since come back to where it normally is. He's in the low to mid-90s throughout his starts. Excellent life on his fastball. Really good slider. I think people want to probably see more of the changeup. That might be another thing where teams knock on him. Is you, If, you're, if you, you question it. the changeup and you think he's a two-pitch guy in addition to the low slot, maybe you think, okay, am I taking a reliever at the top of the draft? But... 
but you see the change up now. Exactly. And the thing about it is, is it's gotten better. Mm -hmm. He's shown some aptitude for developing it. Yeah. And on top of that, he's in college right now. He's not. You send him to pro ball. Yes, from day one, it's going to be. You know what? You're throwing 20 changeups. See, this day. is the thing as well. Scouts haven't even been able to see it as much as they want, just because of the college game, and this is true for high school as well. There's really no need to throw the change. If you're fast, Singer's doing a lot out, of guys favors. With exactly. These changes. If you throw them a changeup, you're just letting guys catch up in a lot of occasions. So, personally, we don't have as many questions as maybe other people do. I think all the feedback we've gotten is still he's going to go very high. He's the top of the first round kind of guy. And if you look pretty much across every category, every major statistical category, he's improved. So. If you're not going to take him at the top of the draft, then you're going to take a lot of other high school righties that maybe have more questions. His track record is just so impressive, and the stuff is still there from everything that we've heard. So I still believe he's going to go pretty well in the draft. So, uh, okay, uh, Alex Pastor asks, where do you have Swaggerty going? Travis Swaggerty, he's a guy, again, top half of the first round. Uh, I think he's a guy maybe who slipped a little bit since our last rankings because the performance ticked off a little bit. But, again, he's done really well. Uh, potential center fielder, five-tool guy. I think he's going to go pretty well there. There have been a lot of college hitters at the top who have done well for themselves. I think he's going to take advantage of that. Who, I, I was going to say, that the college hitters who have, I think we would say that uh, Alec Baum's done well Alec for Baum himself. Alec has done very well. Nick Matt, uh, I mean, uh, Jonathan India has leapt into the conversation because of Joey how well. Joey Bart's another one. Joey, Bart's Joey Bart and Jonathan India are probably the two guys uh, that have done the most for themselves recently. Jonathan India, uh, he's definitely being talked about in the first round at this point. Again, you talk about the the track record for college third baseman, and his numbers are just ludicrous right now. He's hitting, I believe, over 400 last time I checked. And, and he's a guy who's been around for a while. Scouts have loved and, him for a and, while. And scouts knew about him and liked him in high exactly. school. So, yeah, I, you know. I, so those those are a few guys. I mean, I saw Joey Bart this weekend. I'd love to rave about him more. I don't know how much time Brave, have, brave, brave. Joey Bart is a guy who is the best catcher in the class. Kind of entering the season, Joey Bart and uh, Georgia prep catcher Will Banfield were kind of in that same range back of the first round. Joey Bart has done very well for himself this year. Answered a lot of questions about his defensive aptitude. He's got a plus arm, plus raw power. Uh, people believe he can be a plus defender as well. I think he's got a few things he needs to clean up, maybe be a little bit more consistent. But I saw him in Chapel Hill this weekend. He took one of the more impressive batting practices I've seen going to left field, right field, left field, right field. I believe you call that the sprinkler, JJ, when you just go, you just homer to every part of the park. I call uh, that the, go the with, Joey Gallo. Uh, the one that you can pick with Joy Bart is the hit tool. It might be a little bit below average, but when you're talking about a catcher with raw power to all fields, with a plus arm, a chance to be an above average or plus defender, that's going to go really well. Um, and he's got the track record as well we talk about. It. The only blip on his track record is last summer, uh, and a lot of teams might even dismiss that because he was dealing with an injury. So he's going to go very high, I think, potential top 10, even higher than that. Clint Scholes asks, is Griffin Roberts getting any first-round buzz? Griffin Roberts, I think so. Uh, we have him outside of that right now. I, I would he's say a guy who's done, he's definitely done really well for himself. One of the uh, better breaking balls. Exactly. His slider is like a Frisbee. I mean, Josh Norris and Michael Anana saw it. Again, we have video of this and stories on Roberts. We've been over at Wake Forest several times this spring, uh, so you can definitely check that on the website. But, but, but his question is, is, is the reliever risk. And he's a guy who's his delivery, if you watch it, there's a lot of elements to it. Uh, it's high effort. Uh, he's, again, a two-pitch guy. You don't see the change up a lot when you watch him. But again, Good, Which, again, player, makes sense yes, where he is because he's trying ball, to win games. And that slider, you don't want to throw the change up. So if you have the... And, and we got to remember, I mean, again, you were talking about coaching staffs mm -hmm. who are calling these games. 
and are trying, trying to win, to win games. games. Yeah, and definitely understandable. If you have if you have Griffin Roberts and he's going out there and it's like, man, they have not hit his slider for five innings. They have not hit his slider. I want to just keep throwing. And it's like, okay, so it's a two-one pitch here. Well, he, you know, okay, fastball. Okay, it's two-two. Okay, slider. Yes. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of reason for them to say, you know what? Let's 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 see if he can succeed on his third best pitch. Mm-hmm. So that's why scouts have a tough job is because you have to project on these exactly. things even when you know. Because again, he goes to pro ball immediately from day one. <laughs> the games don't matter. No. Low A manager is getting fired because he developed players and didn't win. And so all of a sudden, the pitching coach is saying, you're throwing 15 changeups tonight. And you're going to find out whether he can start or not. But you're not going to find that out. You're going to have to project on yep. that right now. Hopefully you see a couple good ones in warm-ups. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to Ben Chase asking, can Tim Kate, speaking of really good breaking balls in this year, uh, Tim, Tim Kate be a first grade day, a first day pick this year. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Uh, Tim Kate has the advantage of uh, number one, he's got the really good curveball. Definitely a plus pitch for, for one of the best curveballs in this. Exactly. It's in really, this really good. Uh, he dealt with a minor injury, I believe, a little bit earlier this spring, uh, and hasn't pitched as much. Again, he has that Northeast uh, issue with teams not being able to see him as often. But he's also a college left-hander with a really good track record, really good strikeout rates. Uh, there are not a lot of left-handers at the top of this draft. Once you get past the McClanahan's and the Libertors of the world, so I think that's going to help him out. A team that really likes him and believes that he's going to be a starter definitely could pop him in the back end of the first round, supplement around. I think he's going to still go pretty well. That's a lot of we covered a lot of guys there, <laughs> and so I mean again, this is something. This is what this you've got a little uh, insight into what it sounds like in a normal day here in the office. Yeah, just this kind of is what stuff off each other. This is kind of like, hey, what do you think? What do you exactly. think? What do you think? And, and we kind of you know come up with as we're doing it. But we hope you enjoyed that. We, uh, you know, we'll be trying to do at least a couple more of these draft podcasts, and maybe another Facebook Live draft, Facebook Live before the draft rolls around. Yeah, let's uh, do it. So you know, it is fun. It's just we got to get back to the phones and get back to writing. But uh, we do thank you for tuning in today. Today's podcast and Facebook Live were sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-field brand of baseball and offers the best apparel in baseball. Enter the code BA SHIP when you go to baseballism.com and you can get 20% off of your order. For Carlos, I'm JJ. Thanks again, and so long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.